Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. The reading for today is from the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 1, beginning at verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen... And I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Friends, the grace, mercy and peace of the living Lord Jesus be with you and be with me too as we reflect on his word this morning. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples, and when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Speak to us, your servants, through your word, for your word is truth, and it is life itself. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, I heard a story of a tourist who visited some of the, oh, one of the many, many churches in Germany somewhere some time ago. And she was to, surprised to see at one particular church that she visited a carved figure out of stone near the top of the church's bell tower. And she asked the locals why this particular carving of a lamb, a figure of a lamb, was 
in the bell tower, you know, carved into the stonework of the bell tower. So they said, well, this is why. When the church was being built a very long time ago, probably hundreds of years ago, a particular workman fell from the scaffolding on a particular day. And of course his co-workers thought about the worst. They expected to rush down the scaffolding and find the man dead or at least not doing too well. It's a a long way up. But to their surprise and their joy, the man was alive and only slightly injured. How did he survive? Well, they said, the story goes, it just happened that at that very moment when the man fell, a flock, a small flock of sheep was gathering underneath the bell tower or the construction site. And this particular bloke had a very lucky day. He fell on top of a lamb. And the lamb broke his fall, but of course didn't uh, do so well himself. The lamb was crushed to death and the man was miraculously saved. And so to commemorate this rather miraculous escape, someone carved a lamb in the bell tower at the exact height from which the workman had fallen. Landing on top of the lamb, saved by the lamb, John the Baptist, that's what he sees in this rabbi from up north. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Very strange name, isn't it? Quite a strange name. A strange name to be given and a strange name to be called. But for us Christian people in the 21st century, it's a name that is full of spiritual meaning for us. In fact, you might even say it's pregnant with meaning, particularly from the Old Testament experience of God's people and John the Baptist and John the Apostle. They see this and they proclaim it to us. I wonder whether it's worth just having a little look, a quick look at the depth of this name and what it means for our spiritual journey. We have to go back, of course, first to... Egypt, Moses, Aaron, all of that story you'll remember. The crescendo of those ten plagues and the defeat of evil. God tells his people to sacrifice a lamb and smear the blood of the lamb across the top of the doorposts, as you know so well. And on that Passover night, their lives are spared. By the lamb, the lamb's blood, the sacrificial lamb. And later on, when God had given his people a, a particular way of worship, uh, way out there in the desert, in their very, very long travels, the tabernacle and the holy of holies, and you know, Aaron the priest, and all of that stuff that you would know, they have a ritual pattern of worship, and one day of the year, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, the high priest goes into the Holy of Holies once a year and sprinkles the blood of a sacrificed lamb on the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat of God. And in that moment, the weight of the nation's sin is taken and sin is forgiven and people are, the nation is restored 
to their covenant relationship with their God. Okay, and then there's one other bit, which is a bit interesting. There's a thing called a sacrificial lamb that you may know about in the book of Leviticus, a little bit further down the track. A lamb is chosen, or actually a goat, very little difference in the Middle East, by the way, between sheep and goats. Can't tell, only by the back end. Uh, yes, like some people. No, that's not true. Uh, sacrificial lamb. And the sacrificial lamb or goat is sent out of the city into certain death in the Judean wilderness. And this lamb bears the weight of the people's sin. So it's called what? A scapegoat. Because the sacrifice of this lamb frees the people of their guilt, of their sin. And then you move on to the prophets, of course. And the Saviour, the Messiah, the Christ, is often pictured, of course, especially in Isaiah, as the suffering servant, who will be like what? A lamb led to the slaughter. Yes, as he bears the sins of many, Isaiah chapter 53. So in the Old Testament, God both gave his people ways in which they could ritually get rid of their sin by all those offerings, you know, of pigeons and sheep and goats and cows and all the other stuff that happened at the temple in Jerusalem eventually. But he also gave them this ability with his scapegoat practice, you know, to load the, to symbolically load that animal with guilt and send it out into the desert to get rid of it. Uh, and then there's this, this whole year, the Yom Kippur. It's a big festival still. I was there in Israel in 1998 where Yom Kippur was on. Looks like Palm Sunday, actually. They carry palms around the city all day. Uh, and one day a year, the nation is absolved, freed from all their guilt of their wrongdoing and their idolatry. So no wonder, it makes very much sense now, doesn't it, that John the Baptist, a man of the Old Testament and yet living in the new way as well, he sees Jesus as the Lamb of God, the sacrificial lamb, the scapegoat for the people of Israel and their enormous idolatry and sin. Jewish, this isn't just a Jewish history thing, by the way, folks. This is not just nice information to have in case you have to go to a quiz night and do a Bible round. Next time you'll be able to answer lots of questions on the Lamb of God. No, it's for living the faith now. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In the water of your baptism, you were immersed in the blood of the Lamb and your robes were made white. Every time you come to Holy Communion, you're immersed in the blood of the sacrificial lamb and you are made squeaky clean and pure before your heavenly Father. You are restored to the covenant relationship, the new covenant of forgiveness and life in Jesus' name. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. On that rugged cross, he was crushed by our sin and we fell on him and his amazing grace when we came to faith and were baptised, and he's made us stand up straight and sure as resurrection people who are built and we live on and we breathe on the foundation of the Lamb of God who takes away our sin continually, continually, over and over and over again, making us holy, not by reading books or knowing more Bible knowledge, but by repentance and forgiveness Repentance and forgiveness, repentance and forgiveness 
over and over and over again to be one with our Heavenly Father on a daily basis, to be right with Him and to be free from our idolatry and free from our guilt and free from our sin. John says, this is Jesus. All of that is Jesus. And that's what he specialises in. Forgiveness of sin for sinners. But there's a little bit more to that. Not only has God given us this incredible gift that we live in every day as his people here in this place, freedom from having to follow other dark ways, freedom from having to follow the impulses of our own desires, free from all of that, living in God's grace and in his mercy and kindness every day, he's done all of this for a reason, for a purpose. He didn't do it for nothing. He does this for a purpose. And John the Apostle makes it very clear in our text that Jesus, yes, is the forgiver of our souls, no doubt about that, but he is also the caller of our souls. In fact, as he forgives, he calls. As we are baptised, we are called. As we receive the body and blood of the Lord in this church, week after week, we are also called and recalled over and over again. And that's where a little problem may come in for us who are still struggling on the way, on a journey, no one's perfect. Often we don't know that we're called or we forget that we're called or we actually don't want to be called because it means we have to follow and listen and actually do something. And this is a bit tricky. Sometimes we have misguided goals. We follow other goals. I read this during the week and it certainly resonated with me. And this is for my life. I don't know about you. Daryl Bock, I don't know who he is, but apparently he was a, a fella who was a baby boomer. And now he's in midlife, like we all are. Well, you know, us who are... I'm not quite a baby boomer. I just missed it, but I'm close. He's a teacher, apparently, at some theological seminary, you know, up there in the clouds. And he, writes, he wrote in Christianity Today, that great magazine, of how, as a young, idealistic man, headed for seminary, no less, he thought being a successful Christian meant being a winner for God, taking control of life and doing all I could for his kingdom. The essence of our spirituality, he said, was to do all we could for God, to do everything for God for the 40 or so years that we might have ministry, unlike Pastor Trev, who's had 50. Now, he's in midlife and he discovers that that spirituality is completely empty. Much of it was influenced by Western culture with its bent towards independence and self-fulfillment. And he writes this, Many pews on Sunday morning are filled with people seeking God, praying like mad, studying the word even, but who still wonder why God seems so distant. Maybe it's because our culture has taught us to pursue goals that don't bring us closer to our Heavenly Father. Perhaps those goals undermine the relationship we are to have with Him. With Him. With Him. We are, what are some of our misguided goals? Very interesting. Where our culture says, seek your place in the world, God says, 
seek the kingdom of God. Where our culture bids us to find yourself, God calls us to lose yourself so that you might find him. Where our culture calls us to be your own self-made person, our God calls us to become members together of one body. Where our culture teaches us to look to your own needs and interests, God calls us to have the attitude of Jesus who took the nature of a servant. Where our culture promises you can have it all, God calls us to consider it all rubbish that we might have him and only him. Where our culture mandates be at the top of your game, God calls us to be crucified with Jesus every day. Friends, Andrew found out firsthand that his life was centred on and surrounded by the call of Jesus to come with Jesus to do what? To forgive the sins of the world. That is our project as a church. That is our goal as a community, to participate with God in the forgiveness of the sins of this community. He had to tell his big brother Simon, of course. He went out and found Simon, and Simon was changed forever and renamed. What a name. Peter. Rock. Petri. Amazing. We're just like him. These brothers would live their call with their heart and their mind and their hands and their feet, and they would give up their lives, and they would die earlier than they should have, all following the one who is the forgiver of our souls and the caller of our souls. Only he can change us. Only he can forgive. Only he can call us in to this project of reconciling the world to himself. And through these two people and another ten like them and another hundred thousand or a couple of million or a billion later, the whole world is altered beyond recognition. Here we are, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, working through you, in your day, in your place, at your age, young or old, in your time of life, idealistic young man, middle-aged thinking person, wise older uh, people, working with the Lord to forgive the sins of all who call on his name, the ministry of reconciliation, ambassadors, of reconciliation, says St. Paul. He's calling us this year to receive his forgiveness over and over, and he will deliver that. He will promise that. 2014 will be a year when you are forgiven numerous times and where you are freed and where you are made pure and righteous in the Lord's sight because of him. He'll do that for you and for us over and over. But he's also calling you to get on board the train to get on board and to follow him, to follow his voice, to seek his voice in all the decisions that you make, all the plans that you have, all the troubles that come your way. He's calling us this year to be different, to get on board, to throw caution to the wind and to throw any self-worship out the window and simply learn to love each other and be his forgiveness for our town. So he's calling you. Will you continue to follow in this year? God bless you as you do. And the grace and the mercy and the peace of God 
keep our hearts and minds in Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. Thanks for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. St. Petri.org.au